What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Between Two Tackles. I am your host, Alex Spinelli, and alongside me, as always, is Ray Volo. No Dino tonight, unfortunately, and Ray, we're going to miss Dino, but my God, is this a wonderful, wonderful slate of college football after the stinker we had last weekend. Ray, how are we doing? Doing great, dude. This is going to be the, the first Saturday where we can. it's just straight up booze fest all day and just watch games nonstop. I can't fucking wait. Yeah, it's, six six ranked games. You said right, most in like what two decades? It's it was something like that. I forget how many years it was, but it was like the most ranked games uh, for a week in September. Um, so I mean, week four, and you get six ranked games. I mean, this is going to be absolutely awesome. I love how like they're all. A lot of them are in that three o'clock slate too. So yeah. I can kind of just like enjoy Ohio State Notre Dame at the end of the night. But it's going to be a fucking wild weekend. I'm I feel I'm feeling some upsets. I thought you you meant to say Iowa Penn State, right? Yeah, what what I say? <laughs> you said uh, Notre Dame Ohio State. Oh well, no, okay, yeah, no, I did not mean to say that. No. <laughs> Lol, whiteout game, my ass. Yeah, <laughs> big time whiteout game. All right, uh, before we get into the game previews, we have seven game previews to go over, so we're gonna try to hit them as quickly and efficiently as possible. Um, let's recap. Two players, two prospects that we really love their week. Three, Ray, who's the first one you got? I'm going on the opposite side of the ball. I'm going a uh, tight end from Colorado State, Dallin Holker. That uh, I don't. I'm going to call it prime time game. That late night game, Colorado State, Colorado was bananas. Uh, and this guy really stood out. I think he kind of put himself on the map as like a day three potential prospect. But he had six catches for 106 yards on 10 targets with two touchdowns. Uh, he's he's a big kid, 6'5", 235, but he lines up as kind of like a, a, slot, a big slot receiver. But he, he really showed off his hands, too. I think he went two or three uncontested catches. Uh, he made some people miss, too. He has, got some shake to his game, three four, uh, three missed tackles forced. I was really impressed with him. He's a big body, good athlete. Uh, I think he's going to get on the maps of a lot of teams. I saw um, the Senior Bowl uh, lead scout. I don't know why I'm blank on his name. but Jim he, Nagy. Yeah, Jim Nagy. Thank you. Uh, added him to the board. So this guy was a transfer from BYU too. So he's been around for a while now. I think, I think they're only he's only going to get better. So I'm curious to see how he ends up and if he ends up actually at Senior Bowl. Yeah, I actually think I was listening to uh, I forget what podcast it was. They were talking about a couple of these Colorado State guys who might get drafted. They have some good talent on that team, um, and he was definitely one of them. First guy I want to shout out is a guy that I'm sure a lot of people know of. Um, and it's a guy that I was very high on in our summer scouting Malik neighbors from LSU. I mean, my God, what a week three. He just had 13 catches on 13 targets too. had 239 yards and two touchdowns back-to-back games for him with the touchdown. He just looks so comfortable. So in control, the route running is just unbelievable. It's so dynamic. He looks bigger. He looks faster. He looks stronger. Um, and I really do believe this is the second best receiver in the country behind Marvin Harrison, I think he's just firmly cemented himself in the middle of the first round next year. Yeah, I know he had like 10 catches. I'm pretty sure before even halftime. I was remember like looking at Twitter, he was just absolutely going off. But he, I mean, you've always you loved him from summer too. He's a unique player. He's super athletic and he's just he's got a really good build for the NFL too. So I'm good. It's good to see him shine like that in that offense. Big time. All right. Who's the other one you got? I'm going a, a little bit of a homer pick, but I'm going Denzel Burke. Uh, I didn't mention him on summer scouting this year. He had a, a really down sophomore season after a freshman All-American 
uh, as a true freshman, but he's looked really good so far this season. Really confident in coverage and sticky, uh, making plays on the ball too. He's got one pick and I think uh, two or three passes defended already on the year. He looks really confident coming down and making plays on the ball, which I really love. Uh, he's got like an 84 coverage grade, according to PFF. And it shows the one part of his game he still needs to improve is his tackling. He kind of just drops his head a little bit and throws his body around, but that that can get cleaned up. But his cover as a cover corner, he's really impressed. I think he's kind of working himself into that uh, upper echelon of the cornerback class this year. Yeah, nice to see him have a bounce back kind of year. Hopefully it it improves, mm-hmm. uh, except when they play Penn State. But yeah, I mean, you said it during the summer too. He's got all the gifts, all the like. He's a freak. And he just has to put it together. So nice to see him playing well. Um, the last guy I just want to mention is Miles Jones, who's cornerback from Duke. Oddly enough, it was really funny because I remember seeing him during the Clemson game. I thought he played really well. And I was trying to get some more backstory on, on Miles Jones. I typed in Miles Jones Duke. Turns out Miles Jones is a amazing lacrosse player who also went to Duke. So I was going down an absolute rabbit hole of this fucking lacrosse player for a little while. And I was like, is this guy a two-sporter? Like, who is this? Um, turns out it wasn't him. But so really weird, two Miles Jones who played play at Duke. But um, this Miles Jones, uh, he's a really interesting guy. 6'4", just an absolute long, rangy corner. Spent a ton of time at Texas A&M. This is a seventh year senior ray say with me seventh year senior that blows sean clifford out of the water um he had back-to-back years um in 21 and 22 which is nasty leg injuries couldn't get on the field transfers over to duke reunites with his old dc mike elko and he's just looked absolutely great in these first three games had a pick last week had a pick in week two um, and like I said, he looked really good against Clemson as well. But 6'4", long, rangy corner. He runs like a fucking gazelle. He's turning 25 in a few weeks. So that's up for NFL teams to decide if they want to bring in a 25-year-old corner who's had two bad lower body injuries. But he's a really good player. I hope he gets a shot, even if, even if it's at a, a UDFA. So I uh, wanted to give him a shout out. Wait a minute. When you're six four, and if you can uh, test, if you put up some good athletic testing numbers, a team's gonna take a shot on you. You could be fucking thirty. <laughs> hey, Brandon Whedon was first round pick. Insane. <laughs> By the way, I was gonna say, did you hear about the? Uh, I think it was a tight end uh, requesting for his ninth year of eligibility or something like that, or is it seventh? Something That's crazy, ridiculous. But we can't get uh, Tez Walker uh, on the field at UNC. Good stuff, NCAA. Yeah, it's a fucking thirty four year old kicker at, at UVA right now. <laughs> bananas okay uh let's get to the game previews we got a ton to go over first game we got we got florida state going at going to clemson florida state a two and a half point favorite right now snuck away with a win over boston college last week looked a little dicey there for a little while but ray talk to me about florida state and what they need to do to win this game yeah last week it seemed like a typical look ahead game to me um that jordan travis got banged up too that obviously didn't help their efforts but I think when it comes to offense, it's going to be really hard to establish their run against this team. This Clemson front, I mean, we all know they're deep and they're fucking athletic. So I think if they want to get the run game going, I think it's going to have to start with some of the option game. I think QB, uh, Jordan Travis, can have to run a little bit too. But predominantly, I want him just 
playing almost like a West Coast style offense and just take what the defense gives you. We all know this Clemson defense does not want to get beat over the top. They're going to let you dink and dunk down the field. I think that's going to have to be their strategy to win the game. And then on the other side of the – and then also I just want to touch third down efficiencies. Last week they were one of nine on third Ooh. downs. That's got to improve, especially on the road at Clemson. So I think you got to stay ahead of the sticks and just be able to keep moving the chains and work your way into the red zone and then use those two – uh, freaks at wide receiver to help put, punch it in. And on the defensive side of the ball, they they that guy Castellanos for BC last week ran all over them. I think they have to be disciplined in their rush lanes, keep uh, Cade Klubnik in the pocket, and just force force some issues with the uh, young quarterback. I think they'll come back out on top. Although this uh, this two point line is fishy to say the this, least. This line is absolutely terrifying. It's taking all of my strength not to bet. Florida State right now, but um, I don't know. We'll see what happens game time after uh, after I get a couple couple of drinks in me. Uh, for Clemson, I think this is going to be a massive, massive game for Cade Klubnik. They are going to need to hit on some explosive plays. They have not really done so, even though they've blown out uh, past two opponents. I think they're still getting used to this Garrett Riley offense. Um, and I also think he's got to use his legs a little bit more. I think um, even in the Duke game, they started to get going late in the fourth quarter when he started to use his legs. He's not a tremendously dynamic runner, but just to keep that Florida State defense honest, because they're going to be challenged on the outside. I think Florida State is going to challenge these wide receivers man-to-man, one-on-one, and they're going to really bring a lot of pressure. So for the wide receivers, they have to win on the outside. They haven't been good enough Um they need to be able to separate or, or they're not going to be able to score um, defensively uh, containing Jordan Travis. He hasn't really been running as much as he did last year. I think they're trying to protect him a little bit more. And obviously now he's banged up. Um, so I think up the middle in the interior with Tyler Davis and Rook, they're going to be need to be really, really solid. And that linebacking core has got to be special. They are going to need to spy Jordan Travis because in big games like this, he probably will run a little bit more. Um, and then I think you also need to play more coverage towards Johnny Wilson's side on the inside and take that away. And then we know what they're going to do over the top with Keon Coleman. I think it's going to be a big matchup with Nate Wiggins with a lot of shell coverage over the top, not letting them get explosive plays. Um, so I think if they can take away the easy scrambles for Jordan Travis um, and make them run in light boxes, I think that's the way that they're going to win on defense. And offensively, like I said, they're going to have to hit on a couple of explosive plays or else they're not going to be able to keep pace. All right, let's move it to the second game. Uh, a high-flying shootout, possibly. Um, number 19, Colorado escaped last week with a win over Colorado State. Going to Oregon, number 10, Oregon. Oregon's a 21-point favorite right now. Ray, talk to me about Colorado what they need to do to to keep this win streak going. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a tough one. No Travis Hunter. It's just such a rare loss. It hurts them just both sides of the ball significantly. He's the best player on so the team. Weird. So it's it's really hard to uh like I feel like it's hard to comprehend how big of a loss it is just as like a it's the it's so rare it's never I feel like it's never happened before, at least to my knowledge. But I think what this comes down to, yeah, keep Shadur Sanders upright. Um I feel like Colorado's offensive line played a little shaky against Colorado State. They allowed about four sacks. Um, Sanders, he, he's good under pressure in the sense where he can roll out and make plays downfield too. 
but you want to give him enough time and just especially in the middle of that offensive line i hope they if they hold up they'll have a chance and then just as a, a theme of the whole game, I think explosive is it's what it's going to come down to. It's going to be Colorado getting their explosive plays with the likes of Weaver and all that other, all those other wide receivers. And then on the other side, they got to limit the explosive plays for Oregon, which I think they kind of match up pretty well. They're, they're athletic. I think their issue with Colorado is more of a, a size. They're just not as deep with the big men. But on defense, they have to keep Bo Nix in the pocket and do not let him get out and make those big plays over the top to uh, Franklin. And Bucky Irving, too. I think on the perimeter, they're going to be doing well to contain him, but they just can't let him just break break the big ones. So I think it's going to come down to limiting explosives on defense and having their own explosive plays on offense in order to keep them in the game. And if it's close in the fourth quarter, I mean, we've seen what Shador Sanders did last week against Colorado State, marching 98 yards down the field. And he's been fucking elite in the fourth quarter this season. I think it's like 84% completion percentage, uh, 450 passing yards, five touchdowns, no picks in three games. So he's showing that clutch gene. I think if they keep it close, they can make it interesting. But uh, it's going to be a tough, it's a tough matchup. Yeah, I'm going to start on the defensive side of the ball for Oregon here because honestly, I don't think Colorado is going to be able to stop this Oregon offense. Um, I really don't. Defensively for Oregon, I think it's going to be massive for them to get pressure with four. Their interior there's defensive line with Dorless and Popo Umave have been really, really solid. I think they just need to try to get home with four. Like you said, this Colorado offensive line is honestly, they're, they're horrible. Um, they can't run the ball. They really don't run the ball because they know they can't um, and they just want to keep their plays up. But if they can get home with four and just keep everything in front of them and just get enough stops, I think they're going to be able to win this game. I wouldn't bet them to cover because um, 21 is a lot, but I think if they can keep stuff in front of them and then hold them to some field goals when they get into the red zone, it's really hard to score in the red zone. If you can't run the football, Um so I think that's going to be big for Oregon. And then, like I said, on offense, I really don't think this Colorado defense is going to be able to stop them at all. Both sides of the of the trenches for Colorado's is really bad. Um, this offensive line for Oregon is honestly one of the best in the country right now. And Bo Nix, is, he's one of those guys, and this Oregon team especially, they just don't make many mistakes. They don't beat themselves. He'll take the underneath stuff when you give it to him. Um, so I think if they can limit the turnovers, they will do enough to to win this game. Yeah. So are you are you obviously are you gonna lay the the uh the wood on fucking Oregon or no? Uh I'm not touching 21, but I will touch something else in this game. Okay. No no spoilers. Spoiler free. The spoiler free pot. Uh let's move on to the third game. We got number 22 UCLA going to Utah, number eleven. Uh, minus six right now, possible cam rising rumblings that he could get his first start. They really keep this shit close to the vest. They might be one of the best in the country doing that. Dude, you would think uh, Kyle Whittingham like had the <laughs> nuclear codes, dude. He does not, yeah. he does not tell anyone anything. It's crazy. Um, talk to me about Utah. Uh, you can go with and, and without rising too. I mean, I'm going to assume rising is playing. I feel like this is the game where he would, it makes so much sense for him to make his debut. They've been uh, teasing it for a few weeks, but it's going to be a big, it just, I think the home field advantage is the massive part of this game. Yeah. Um, yeah freshman quarterback and more for UCLA. I think, and we all know that playing in a Utah stadium is 
one of the hardest in the country, if not the hardest. So I think that's going to be a massive impact in this game. But if you look at last year, Utah really struggled to stop this offense. Uh, This Chip Kelly offense is always going to be able to run the ball. They're averaging, I think, 270 yards per game on the ground already, which is pretty absurd. Um, But it's going to be, it's a strength versus strength game. Uh, Utah is only allowing 65 yards on the ground. So we got to see who's going to win out. But if you look at last year, it was UCLA. I think they ended up winning by a touchdown, but they ran for 200 and they threw for another 300. I think the difference is going to come down to that freshman quarterback, though. Um, I do like Utah to win this game. I think their defense is going to be able to contain him and force him to make a mistake or two in his uh, first true road test. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I mean, I think Dante Moore has been great since he stepped in as the starter. Um, I'm assuming that Utah has going to be a ton of eight-man boxes for for this UCLA running attack. I think um, Holden and Carson Steele have been dynamic, and I think it's really going to be hitting those explosive plays, hitting big plays off of play action um, when they have loaded boxes. If he can lay off the turnovers, he's been really good. Uh, I think he only has one interception so far. Uh, but if he can protect the ball, hit on a couple big shots, I think this offense can do enough to win the game. And defensively, honestly, this is one of my favorite defenses that almost nobody talks about. One of the best fronts in the country with Latu and the Murphy Twins. They are great at getting after the quarterback, but they've also been so stout against the run. I think they're only allowing just over two yards of carry. Um, So I think if Rising does play, I think they need to blitz him a ton early see how the rust is holding up, and then you make your second-half adjustments. The home field is massive for them, but I think this defensive line is good enough to to get after rising, and if they can limit the turnovers, I think this could be a possible upset alert and a very tough place to win. I think this is going to be the best game of the weekend. I'll say it right now. I kind of agree. I fucking love the Pac-12 this year. It's going to be so much exciting games, and you know me. I'm a sucker for a Chip Kelly offense. I fucking love the tempo. I love the running attack and just – the running run and gun. Love it. Yeah. Uh, let's get to our fourth game. Holy shit, we got a lot to go over. Uh, <laughs> number 15, Ole Miss versus number 13, Alabama. Uh, Alabama is a seven-point favorite right now. They got Jalen Milrow coming back in to start. Ray, talk to me about Alabama. I mean, this is the most vulnerable we, I've seen Alabama in the last, what, 15, 15 yeah. years maybe? I mean, this is crazy. They looked horrid against usf last week is that I, another I is that another look ahead game too though i i think it's just they are they are lost at quarterback and just an offensive identity in general um i think it's safe to say we will not see tyler buckner again i'll just put that out there i think he's done um uh with with alabama for them to win this game they have to run the ball i don't think i think there's no secret they're gonna their entire attack is going to be hold the ball and run the ball they need to get as many first downs as possible and keep their defense off the field so they're fresh because we know this Lane Kiffin offense, they they run tempo and they're trying to run as many plays as possible to tire out the opposing defense. Um, I guess I'm trying to like, – their offensive line for Bama has been historically bad in terms of them. I think they have the worst sack rate allowed in the Power 5 out of, out of everyone, which is just crazy to think about. I don't know if some of, that's got, some of that fault has to be placed on the quarterback just being kind of lost. Maybe I don't know. No, but... I think it is. I think they're also they're like a hundred. They're I think they're like a hundredth in uh, runs before contact too. Like they've been terrible. 
So their offensive line is just in general just needs to be worked. I mean, I don't know if it could it be, blame be put on Tommy Reese too with that new offensive system. Who knows? They just they have to figure it out. But I think in order for them to win this game, we we know what Alabama's defense is. Their their defense is still elite, so they can trust them. I think they have to just control the ball and keep it close. I really do think this can be a one possession game. But at the end of the day, I think they go either way. But another thing, Lane Kiffin has not beat um, Nick Saban yet. He's zero four. They're always relatively competitive games, but going to Alabama and, and get your first win is going to be tough. And if they do, I mean, Alabama having two losses before September is over is just – it's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, I think if they have two losses before uh, September, and especially if Ole Miss beats them, I think uh, Lane, Lane Kiffin might be submitting an application to uh, the University of Alabama for their head coaching position. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think this game is going to be – ugly and disgusting i think this could be like a 20 to 14 kind of game which you do not normally think about when you talk old miss alabama um but for old miss they need to get this run game going judkins has not been as good as he was last year um jackson darts their leading rusher right now i think outside of him they're they're averaging like just over four carry um they need to be able to control this game their offensive line is also really fucking bad so I expect Alabama to get after them, but they need to hit on a couple big runs um, with with tempo. And then defensively, I think their D-line is pretty good, actually. I think they're, they've they been pretty stout against the run. Um, the DBs have not been good. So the DBs are going to have to step up. They're going to have to play one-on-one press man coverage because I don't think any of these Alabama receivers are special. I don't think Milrose is good enough passer either. So for them to win, I think they need to have loaded boxes. They need to spy Milrow because I'm expecting they're going to try to run him a little bit more than he has in the in the past few games, and make make him beat them with their with his arm. And if Jalen Milrow can do that, more power to them. But I think this is going to be a tough game for for Ole Miss. Honestly, I I really do think this is going to be an ugly game. I don't know what the over under is, but honestly, I might take the under no matter what it is. If it's over forty, I might take it. I mean, I, we it is over forty. I know that for it's like forty nine, I believe. But the fact that we're both on the same page in that regard makes me think it's going to be a forty five, forty two game. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not feeling too good right now. But all right, I love that. Uh, let's move to our next game. We got number fourteen, Oregon State, going to Washington State, number twenty one in the country right now. Oregon State is a three point favorite right now. Ray, talk to me about the Beavers. Yeah, I mean, I think it all starts with DJ. Ugiugale, I don't know if I pronounced that. Ugiugale, Ugiugale, <laughs> whatever the fuck his name is, who cares? Uh, but he's he's kind of looked good in this Oregon State offense. A little bit resurgence. I mean, we all know about the pedigree, the five star. Uh, just didn't really work out with Clemson, but I think both these teams. It's going to come down to the quarterback. Um, Cameron Ward on Wazoo has just been throwing the ball all over the field. So I think for Oregon State, their job is going to be to get the fuck after him and limit him into the best of your ability. Uh, the good thing is this Oregon State defense has just been rolling in the sacks. They have like four or five guys, four guys, I think, with multiple sacks on the team. So their front's been getting at the quarterbacks. I think they have 12 sacks on the year as a whole. So they have to get in Ward's face and just maybe force him to make a rare mistake, which he, he hasn't thrown an interception yet. Uh, and then it also is going to come down to, I think, red zone efficiency, which uh, Oregon State has been really good this year. So I do like the Beavers in this game. But at Wazoo, yeah, look out. They're they're a tough team. I, they already knocked off Wisconsin. So uh, you cannot underestimate them. I think it's going to be a close ball game again. I mean, the three-point spread kind of indicates that. 
Uh, but I, I'd lean Oregon State to win and maybe a, I'm not sure if they're going to cover though. So I kind of stay away from that line. But uh, that over under 50 and a half is looking juicy. I would kind of tease that down and take the over. Yeah, I, some, quietly some nice wins for for Washington State. That win against Wisconsin was really nice, and they opened the season uh, putting it on Colorado State too. So um, this is a really interesting matchup too for a team in Washington State that's top 10 in plays run per game. And then for Oregon State, I think they're bottom 15 in plays run. So completely different styles of offense. Um for, for Oregon State, Cam Ward has been balling, like you said. He's experienced um, over 325 yards a game and nine touchdowns right now. He'll need to challenge this team, get their tempo going, get as many plays as possible. Uh, this team is not good at running the football, so look for uh, look for Lincoln Victor, who's their top wide receiver. They pepper him with targets. I think he's got 24 catches already um, in just three weeks, so um look look for him and then defensively they're pretty good at getting after the quarterback I know this Oregon State O-line has been very good um but I think if they can cause some havoc we've seen in the past DJ has not been great under pressure so I think if they can stop this run game just a little bit and force some longer third down conversions and then pin their ears back and go after DJ and make him throw under pressure I think he had two picks last week if they can get a couple turnovers out of that keep their keep their offense on the field. Um, I think this they have a good shot to win at home. Yeah, the home field is going to be big too. I kind of didn't really take that into account. Um, it's, it's an upset waiting to happen, but I, I don't know, man. Oregon State's just been playing so well. I think DJ, I think this is a game where he has to make a statement too. Like if he if he comes out and makes a statement, I think people kind of forget about the uh, the sour taste they left that he left in the mouth at uh, Clemson. Yep. All right, let's get to our next one. We got the the biggest game of the week, obviously. Number 24, Iowa going to State College. Number seven, Penn State. Penn State is a 14.5-point favorite right now. It's the whiteout game, Ray. You fired up? Oh, can you not tell? I say, Yeah, you got your white shirt on. I love it. Um, talk to me about Iowa and how they look to pull off an upset against Penn State. I mean, this is going to be a, t- a tough game for them. I think they're missing about 40% of their offensive production already. I think two running backs, uh, Jaquiz Patterson and Caleb Johnson are out. And then uh, their number one My receiver. Luke Lachey. Right. Yeah. Uh, Luke Lachey is going to be out too. So but I, the one thing I think they do have going for them, uh, Cade McNamara, he's not going to be uh, overwhelmed by this setting. I mean, he's he's obviously been here before at Michigan. So I think that r- the real combo you're going to be looking at is uh, McNamara and uh Eric all the Michigan transfer too. So I think that's going to be his, his best and I guess most familiar target. So I, I think that he's going to have to really rely on Eric all who hasn't really had much production this year. This whole passing attack really hasn't had much production. So I don't, I don't know. It's going to be, I think it's going to be a timely big play on offense, but mo- more importantly, this secondary led by Cooper DeGene, they need to force mistakes by uh, for this young quarterback, Drew Aller. He looked semi-human last week I know you kind of blame the supporting cast and all but I mean I think the Iowa secondary kind of wins the battle against this Penn State uh wide receiver core so I think if for Iowa to have any chance of the upset you gotta have you gotta force two to three turnovers and you probably have to score a touchdown on defense to uh win this game yeah I agree I I do think this is going to be a nice rebound game for Aller obviously coming back home obviously much more comfortable playing at home um, I think he's going to look awesome this week, honestly. I think this is a big game also for Penn State's offensive line, who 
had a lot of talk in the offseason about how good they were going to be. And honestly, they have not shown out. Um, and this Iowa defensive line is not what it has been in the past. I think this could be a get right game for this offensive line for Penn State. Um, I think Singleton and Allen are going to get theirs. I think they're going to control the game. And then I think Allen, barring some wide receiver miscues, somebody in the, I'm going to say it every single week, somebody in this wide receiver room for Penn State, Kondre Lambert-Smith is the guy, but somebody else got to step up besides him because they need somebody that Aller can go to. Too many drops, too many miscues. Um, and if you want to be an elite team, you just can't have that. So um, hopefully they can clean some of that stuff up and get it going on offense again. Um, and then defensively, I think they just need to get after Kate McNamara. Manny Diaz is going to mix it up. He's going to blitz from all different angles. I don't think these wide receivers for Iowa um, can hang with, with with our secondary. So I think if they can get pressure on him, um, I don't think they have enough offensive firepower to, to play from behind. So if they can get up early, I think this should be a full ride ahead for uh, for Penn State. Yeah, I like you guys to win in cover. Is it, was it still 14 or is it 14, 14 and, a and a half? Yeah, I think that's a pretty solid line for you guys. Yeah. Iowa being ranked is kind of crazy too, no? I mean, their offense is – Yeah, I, I mean, they, they did just lose a whole bunch of guys. I'm, I'm assuming if all goes the way I think it's going to go, they're not going to be ranked ever again in <laughs> during the season. <laughs> ever again in the history of the school. Yeah. All right, let's round it out with your Ohio State Buckeyes, number six in the country, going to South Bend to play number nine, Notre Dame. Ray, talk to me about Ohio State. They are a three-point favorite right now. They got it going a little bit last week. Nice to see them get a nice win over Western Kentucky. Um, talk to me about Ohio State and what they have to do to beat Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean, this, this is a big test. Uh, this isn't like the the Ohio State teams in the past. I think there's a lot of unknown at this point in the season that we really haven't had in the past. Uh, I feel like this offense has been super, super conservative the first three weeks. I feel like they don't want to really give away too much tricks or if there's, I don't know if there's a, a growing, a learning period for McCord, who knows? I think they just, the play calling in general has been a little conservative um, and just, they're not really opening up the whole bag of tricks, but for this game, to win with Kyle McCord being his first true road test as the starter, then you have to rely on the run game. And in particular, Trayvon Henderson, he only has 30 carries on the year. I think he needs to get at least 20 touches in this game, 20 plus. He looks like he has all of his juice back from when he was a freshman. He's looked electric, super fast. So I think relying on the running game and not only that, him in the passing game, I think timely screen calls will really help take the pressure off McCord and this uh, suspect offensive line, if you will. And then on the other side of the ball, um, I, I really do trust this defense a lot. They look like they've been, uh, very much improved. I think if you can try to limit this, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, Estime, is that how you say it? The running yeah. back? I think limiting him is the first start to this, to being able to control this offense. Cause I think the Sam Hartman is going to work off of that. Uh, if you, if you just get caught guessing, it's going to be a fucking nightmare. Cause you'll get, they'll take their shots deep. And this secondary is prone still to allowing that the deep ball. But more importantly, once this run game is kind of corralled, Ohio State's front four has to win. They they've been very very disappointing so far this year. I know that um, Sawyer and JT two and Molowau have had a lot of pressures, but they just haven't resulted in sacks. I think you have to hit and sack Sam Hartman pretty frequently in order to win. I think 
the big matchup between JT and uh, Joe Alt's going to be massive. Alt hasn't a lot of pressure all year. So that's, it's going to be a strength versus what should be a strength on paper that has been sort of disappointing to start the season. So I'm really curious to see how that goes. I also think Mike Hall, uh, the defensive tackle, is going to play a huge part in this game. With He has an elite get-off. I think him forcing pressure up the middle will really help open up the the ends to get home. So I do like Ohio State in this game, but I'm not as confident as I have been in previous years. Yeah, I agree. I think this, the trench game is going to be massive um, on both sides of the ball for for both teams. And I think you mentioned Joe Alt. They got another good guy on the right tackles, uh, Blake Fisher, who's another really good tackle too. So Sawyer and JT are, are going to get tested um, against this offensive line. Like you said, I for Notre Dame, they need to establish the run. They've been great. SMA has been awesome. They just wear you down consistently throughout the game, and they set up all their other play-action shots with Hartman. You got some? No. Yeah. Oh. Um, Hartman's been absolutely great this year it's coming in. I love – we love that guy. We're This is a Sam Hartman pod for sure. Um, 13 touchdowns, no interceptions, over 71% um, completion percentage. Um, I think a big key for them is going to continue to be great in the red zone, which they have been um, – for their first three games, um, 13 to 15 trips have ended in a touchdown. In a game like this where Ohio State can get going, you cannot settle for field goals. You have to make those trips in the red zone count. You have to get touchdowns. Um, and then defensively, I think their defensive line has actually been really, really solid. And like you said, I think this Ohio State offensive line where maybe going into the season – we thought it might be a, a strength for them. They have not played that well. So I really do think this defensive line can get after this Ohio State offensive uh, offensive line, and which they haven't really run the ball that well. So I really think they're going to force Ohio State to run in light boxes and really give a lot of help to Marvin Harrison and Emeka Buka and just keep everything in front of them. Don't let the explosive plays beat you. Um, and then make Kyle McCord make decisions and hopefully you can force him to to make a turnover and make a mistake. Um, I really love what you said going in, though. This is a really interesting matchup because I think so many years in the past, um, Ohio State seems like we know what they are, um, but there are a lot of questions about those Ohio State team. And conversely, I feel like we always have questions about what Notre Dame is. I feel like I really know who Notre Dame is, too. I feel like they have a real true identity and what they do offensively and defensively. So interesting in that aspect, I think this is going to be an absolutely great game. Yeah, I think it's going to be – I mean, it was a great game last year too, and I think uh, Notre Dame's only been gotten better uh, second year under that head coach too. So it's it's going to be interesting to say the least. Right. All right, my friend. going to be a, an absolutely awesome weekend. Let's get to the main event. Let's talk bets. Uh, we'll, we'll review last week. Uh, tell me how you did last week. Yeah, so college, I went down uh, about one point, one and a quarter units. I hit on the Ohio State team total over 46 and a half. Uh, like I said, they really got it going. I think they, I think a defensive touchdown is what put me over the edge, which was always great. <laughs> um, I missed, unfortunately, on the over 50 in Minnesota-UNC. That game, uh, I think, came down to the wire, if I'm not mistaken, and it just, just ended up missing, which was unfortunate. And then my teaser of... Wisconsin minus 13, which did cover, did not hit because FSU minus 20 went to fucking shit in the second half. So, yeah, down 1.25 units, but ain't ain't no thing. 
Yeah. Um, I split last week. I had a Penn State minus six and a half and Washington minus seven and a half. Washington, just an absolute wagon. I'm going to keep riding them because they're the only team that that covers for me. Um, two and a half unit win there. And then I lost my uh, my other teaser. I had Utah minus eighteen and Utah State minus eighteen and a half. Excuse me. Who actually uh, who won? Who lost by eighteen? Who won? No, they lost. It was plus eighteen and a half. Uh, they covered, but uh, I had Pitt plus eight and a half against West Virginia, and uh, West Virginia looked pretty good last week. So uh, nice, nice for Nikki in the in the backyard brawl. So I took a two and a half unit loss there. Let's get to this week, Ray. We're back. We're going to hit five units here. What do you got for us? Yeah, so to start off, I'll start off with my annual college teaser that has been absolutely miserable all year. <laughs> uh, so it's a three-team, six-and-a-half-point teaser. I, I'm doing UCLA plus 12-and-a-half. I think this game is going to be close. I think there's going to be a little bit of rust on Cam Rising, and whether they end up getting the upset on the road or not, I think they'll keep it within two scores. Uh under 62 in that uh, Ole Miss-Alabama game. So it was actually the spread, the over-under was 54 and a half. Or no, 55 and a half, rather. So I still, I may even double down, take it straight up. But like I said, both of us being on the same page does not make me feel too good. And then last leg of that was over 45 in Auburn A&M. I just love A&M's offense in general. I think they'll put up 30 plus, And I think Auburn will get a couple touchdowns as well. So um, that's plus 150. I put one unit on that. Uh, I also put two units on Ohio State money line at minus 148 for the reasons I said. I think they'll rely on Travion Henderson a lot, and I think this this offense has too many weapons. I think it'll be a close one, but I think they squeak it out on the road. And then my last two units is going to be on North Carolina team total over 29.5 versus Pitt. This offense is rolling. Uh, they hung 42 on Pitt last, uh, last year. Pitt's defense has been a little shaky. Yeah, they only allowed 17 to West Virginia, but this is a different beast so i think they get their four plus touchdowns relatively easily so that's a minus 115 nice um my first bet i have uh i have two units on oregon team total over 45 and a half um i don't know if this is going to be a game that they cover 21 but i do know that almost every single trip they're going to go down and score points um i don't think colorado is good enough up front defensively to to pressure Bo Nix at all. And I think he's just going to take what the defense gives him. Um, and they just have too many athletes to to not put up points. This is going to be crazy. They're, they're going to be close to 60, I think. Um, next one I got is one unit on Penn State, minus 13 and a half, bought a point there. Um, like we mentioned, I don't know how much Iowa is going to be able to score in this game. And even if they can hold Penn State down, um, even if it's like twenty four to seven, think you get it. Think you get it done there. So uh, I like Penn State to cover, and I like Aller to rebound um, at home. And then my last one is a two unit teaser. I have Washington again minus thirteen and a half versus Cal. Like I said, just an absolute wagon. Michael Penix is playing out of his mind. And then this one kind of hurt me, but the line was too good, and I got it at uh, at ten and a half. And now it's at eight and a half. Um, I got BYU plus 17 and a half versus Kansas. You know, I love my Kansas Jayhawks. Um, but they struggled last week um, against Nevada. They were 28 point favorite. BYU has been feisty all year. Um, they just won a game against Arkansas where they were outrushed, out, outpassed, and 
they were outplayed in almost every aspect and they still won. Um, they're just a feisty team that, that hangs around. So 17 and a half, I think is too much. Uh, so I got two units there as well. Let's go, man. Free money. Always. All right. That's going to wrap it up for us here on between two tackles. Thank you for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed our week four college football preview. Stay with us. We got week three of the NFL coming up. We're going to keep it rolling all season long. As always, please rate and subscribe to the pod and follow our Twitter at two tackles with the number two. You can also now find us on underdogpodcast.com and stick with us. We continue this 2023, 2024 season. Ray, my friend, appreciate you. Enjoy the games.